welcome everybody to another edition of We Talk Photo, a podcast about landscape, nature, and every other type of photography you can imagine. I'm one of your hosts, John Peterson, and unfortunately Jack is still on sabbatical, um, enjoying his time off, so wish him all well in his, uh, in his extended vacation. For today, I've brought on a guest host, uh, somebody who knows uh, I've been shooting with for many, many years and been shooting, Jack's been shooting with him for many years as well, and that's uh, Neil Powell. Say hello, Neil. Hello, everybody. It's hello. great to be here. Thanks, John. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Neil and I go way back um, in doing this, so I thought because of the outstanding, phenomenal, exciting guests that we have on the program today... <laughs> I needed a little help because I have um, truly somebody that I, I'm really honored to have on this program and somebody that's been referred to as uh, the godfather in many ways. Um, you know, Rick, I don't know quite how to introduce you because there's so many ways that, that a man of your many talents can be introduced. You know, photographer, father, writer, videographer, musician, traveler, all amount, all man around town. You're uh, you're absolutely incredible. But people, please welcome to the show, Mr. Rick Salmon. Well, thank you so much for that uh, warm introduction. I also <laughs> like gardening. I like cutting the lawn, like weed whacking, and uh, so I do a lot of different. I like to be busy. You do. <laughs> I you know the the amount of content that you generate um, on a yearly basis it just shows how busy you are. You're always going. Well, uh, yes. Again, I like to be busy. I like to be productive. And I think we all as creatives like to express ourselves. So I'm constantly uh, encouraging. I'm, you know, myself, I'm trying to, uh, you know, create stuff. But I'm always also encouraging people to get out there and create, especially in these crazy times when so many people are stuck at home. This is a, I mean, I've been watching so many people do fantastic work in their backyard, even. I mean, like birds, flowers, you know. And I know this guy who's like, doing this amazing amazing close-ups of uh, of paint on the top you know like a gallon of paint yeah mm. you know you shake it he takes off the lid and he's coming up with these incredible abstracts that are just wow. uh, wonderful so there there are photos everywhere that's for sure there are photos everywhere i think you know i i think the one word that i would use to describe you above everything else is educator and and well, i think that comes through in just about everything that you do you like to teach people well, I do. I went to Berkeley College of Music, uh, and I studied arranging and composition. I majored in arranging and composition, so you had a choice of that or majoring in an instrument. Because, uh, you know, I wanted to understand the theory, and, you know, that's the same thing with the photography. We want to understand the theory behind, you know, uh, why we're making pictures, not just how we're making pictures. So, uh, you know, I started out teaching music and just evolved into, uh, well, it evolved into mostly teaching photography, but I also teach a lot of music. I have a couple of uh, private students that I teach. Yeah, you work and, with uh, a, a lot of young folks, I think, as well, too, don't you, in the music? Say again? You work with a lot of younger folks with the music as well? Well, I'm 70, so most people are younger <laughs> than me. <laughs> Everybody's a younger folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you, you also have... Uh, off your website, you can go and and get uh, short uh, music lessons as well for anybody who wants to go and and try a hand on you know learn something about guitar or bass or or piano, right? So, well, that's um, true. On the top yeah. left, the first actually the first thing on my site is Rick's. You know, I'm known as a photographer, but the first thing is Rick's music room. Yeah, and yeah. Actually, out of all the uh, out of all the videos I've ever put on YouTube, I, I did one. I'm looking at it now from boring to beautiful piano chords. And I'm just looking yeah. right now, 134,000 views. So <laughs> people want to know how to turn boring piano chords into a beautiful piano chords. And it's not that hard. That's pretty no, amazing. It's, it's so. not. You know, I've, I've been trying to teach myself guitar for the last five years. And I, I come from, uh, Jack will hate me for saying this, but I come from a percussion world. So I used to be a drummer as well as trumpet playing. And now I've been trying to learn guitar. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a... It's it's really not that hard if you devote the time. Well, if I can I offer a suggestion? May sure. I offer a suggestion? Well, people ask me like, how do you learn Photoshop? How do you learn Lightroom? And uh, you know, how do you learn guitar? How do you learn piano? And I tell them to read the book uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. 
And in the book, Bird, Bird by Bird, uh, uh, it's really, it's not about photography, it's not about music, it's about writing and life. And uh, the, she got, came, came up with the title because she shares a story in there, and the story is that uh, she's sitting at the kitchen table. This is in the uh, 80s, before everyone had computers. She's sitting at the kitchen table with her little brother, and the father's in the uh, kitchen. And, the, and her brother has to do a story on North American birds. And he's using, you know, uh, index cards and sticky glue, right? <laughs> and he's pasting the pictures of the birds and on, the, on the index cards, and he's writing. And he's writing about the habitats, their lifestyle, you know, what they eat and all this stuff. So he has to give a report. He has, like, all these cards in front of him. And his father said, and he says to his father, Dad, how am I ever going to learn all this stuff about the birds? So the father says to him, son, just do it bird by bird. Hmm. So I think this is great advice for a guitar player. Like, there are, you know, thousands of chords. Well, there's probably uh, dozens of chords in different positions on the guitar. Uh, that you can play or hundreds of chords uh, and, and you can't learn them all at the same time but if you learn like a D chord and play it on where it's you know uh, supposed to be played uh, or naturally played on the second fret if you play that on the 5th the 7th the 12th and the 14th you could write a song and uh, it's it's that easy so in photography you know if you want to learn Photoshop don't learn levels curves adjustment layers blending modes uh uh, and all this other stuff, you know, at one time, just do it bird by bird. One piece right. at a time. Yeah. yeah. Right. So let's, let's, if we could talk about your, well, your, your 41st book. Yep. PhotoQuest, discovering your photographic and artistic voice. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And what was the, what was the impetus for, for writing this book? Uh, well, it's a follow-up to my, the book I did before that, uh, Phototherapy, Motivation, and Wisdom. And Phototherapy, Motivation, and Wisdom is all words and no, and no photographs. And believe it or not, guys, it's my best-selling photography book ever. came out last September. And it was such a hit. I realized that people want words of wisdom. So what I did for uh, PhotoQuest is, well, that was a... Uh, that was 35,000 words of phototherapy. PhotoQuest is 55,000 words, and I put together a team of all-star photo mentors. And, you know, the, like uh, Scott Kelby uh, is in there. He has a, a section. And so many of the people that, that your uh, listeners know about uh, are in there. The, the list of, uh, of photo mentors is just Totally amazing. Karen Hunters, Karen Hutton's in there. Uh, yep. Ian Plant, Greg Vaughn, Linda Marshall. Uh, the list goes on and on. Aaron Babnick and uh, and Belmont, Tony Corbell. So this is both of these books are really about trying to, you know, help photographers become, you know, better photographers and in some cases uh, more fulfilled people. You know, generally speaking, because I think. Photography, and we have a we have a phototherapy Facebook group. Uh, your, your listeners can find it. Mm-hmm. People really find uh, photography very, very uh, therapeutic and rewarding and satisfying and uh, comforting. And we could go down the list. Well, Rick, one of the one of the things I really got out of it was when I read it was there's no pictures in it. It's yeah. all cerebral, right? So you're you're talking about it, and then what helped me was to go to, I think it's your class with on, on Kelby about uh, learning from other photographers yeah. and being able to, and as I go through this list of mentors can then go out and look at their websites, look at their Instagram pages and be able to compare. Okay. Now I get what they're saying kind of, you know, mentally. Now let me go and kind of put it into the, the physical toolbox by looking at it um, on their website and, and combining those two things, I think is, is a great way to kind of approach both of those books. Well, the other thing is, and that's totally true. The other thing is I didn't want people to be uh, distracted by my pictures. I didn't want people to be distracted by the photo mentors pictures. And I think by not having pictures there, you're forced to read, you know, uh, you asked, uh, you asked the people, uh, at national geographic magazine, you know, what do people look at first? the pictures what do people look at second the captions for the pictures what do people look at last the text right so i thought by having and i was really surprised at the success of uh, uh phototherapy and now at uh, photo quest because people you know 
there's so much free stuff online, right? You could learn all the things I mentioned about Photoshop, adjustment layers, blending modes, all this stuff. You can learn that free on YouTube these days, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to produce something that uh, that no one else is doing at this time. There are other books. Uh, the Artist's Way came out, I think, 25 years ago. This is a book about how to become an artist and living like an artist. This is all words and no pictures. And uh, Susan Sontag did a book, uh, I think in the 70s or 80s, uh, called On Photography, All Text and No Pictures. Again, the title of the book is On Photography. Uh, so anyway, it's not an original idea to have a photography book with no uh, photos. But, you know, I, I like challenges. And I said to myself, I'm going to do it. And... You know, I encourage people to set goals, and I'm very, very goal-oriented, and I never give up. So it was a, you know, I tell people writing a book sometimes is not fun, but autographing a book is always fun. <laughs> and I think this is an encouragement to uh, some words of encouragement to potential authors. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're very right. This is truly an all-star kind of cast that you have contributing to this, and and. Uh, you know, one of the one of the uh, things that sort of struck me as I was reading through some of this is is kind of the difference between you know how you do something. You mentioned learning learning anything you want on YouTube, how you yeah. do something, but and then the difference of why you do something, why you create this composition, why you create art, why you include these elements in your shots. And it's that why piece that's really hard to to teach a lot of folks. Well, I don't know if you could, uh, if someone can teach you that, I think you, the photographer, has to answer that themselves, which is what phototherapy is all about. You go to a phototherapist, a pho uh, I mean a psychotherapist, the psychotherapist isn't going to tell you, oh, uh, you know, this is why you feel this way, right? A, a psychotherapist is going to help you figure out uh, the answer yourself. So that's what these books are about. They're very, uh, I, th I think they're, uh, it might provide an, some answers for some people. In, in phototherapy, actually, the way this got started, I was teaching a workshop in, uh, in Montana, maybe 20 years ago. And this is uh, in the first chapter in, in phototherapy. And we, uh, we were going around, <clears throat> we were having some fun. We were, there was a forest fires. And we were like uh, sitting watching the uh, the forest fires. We had a campfire. It was a beautiful night. And I asked the uh, I asked the people. I don't know how I came up with this. I said, uh, you know, what does your photography mean to you? I said, I don't want to hear. You know, uh, I love macro photography. I like landscape photography. You know, I started photography. You know, in my parents' darkroom. I said, what does it really mean to you? So I have that page open in my book, and some people, I'll just read a few, an escape, everything, exploring, communication, uh, my social life, uh, revealing secrets I thought was really good, hmm. a way to write my history, love and happiness, uh, art heals, living legacy, but here's the best one, and the person uh, was actually starting to cry when she said this, and I get emotional thinking about it a little, she said it saved my life, and I started doing this at all my uh, workshops. At the end, I say, what does your photography mean to you? And it's not. When people start thinking about how important that is, the follow-up question is, what would you do without photography? And, you know, uh, a lot of people just don't know what they would do because it's such, it's such an important part of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And that and that's where I wish more of that type of sentiment was talked about. Because, you know, everybody talks about um, gear. Gear and <laughs> settings and, and all the technical aspects of photography. But I think if they really delved into a lot of this, it's it's all of those things behind the technical aspects that you just listed out is what makes photography special. Well, you know... Uh I think it, I think to uh, uh, think this way, you need encouragement from people who've been around a while. Like I saw Santana, Carlos Santana at Woodstock in 1969. Right? Mm. Uh, he was on acid. He says he was on acid, and but he was just like playing his heart out. Right? So now he's very calmed down. He's very spiritual. He's very uh, um, uh, connected to uh, to his audience. And I watched his master class. 
uh, on masterclass.com. And I say to people who want to, you know, get in touch, you know, become better photographers, I say, watch the Santana Masterclass. Because in, in Santana's Masterclass, for two hours or however long it is, he never talks about what key he's in, what notes he's playing, what, how he's uh, bending the notes, uh, how, what adjustments he's making on, on guitar, uh, using the pedals and all this other stuff. The equivalent of someone talking about the exposure triangle, right, and Photoshop and Lightroom adjustments and megapixels and all this stuff. What he talks about is feeling. And he talks about that when he plays guitar, he's doing two things. One, he's making love to the guitar. So he loves his music. And number two, number two, he's, com he's thinking of that as his voice. He's communicating. He wants to communicate. He's talking. He's speaking to the audience. And I think if we look at our pictures and ask ourselves, what, what is that picture saying? How is that picture, how is that photograph, uh, whether you use a straight sh shot or an artistic plug-in that makes it look like a painting, how does this look? Well, what message is it saying? What's it communicating to the audience? And I think if we think about that, because the mood and the feeling is the most important thing in music, right? Like uh, if Santana didn't have all that feeling, uh, someone could play the notes and it would sound like chopsticks, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so it's the mood and the feeling. So I think if we think about that and say, okay, what's the mood? What's the feeling of this picture? What's someone going to say uh, about this photograph? And if they were to write a caption, what would that caption be? Yeah. Right. Well said. I, th I think you kind of nailed one of my favorite quotes from you, which is mood is the is the most important element uh yes it is it's the mood it's the feeling it's same thing yeah. with uh with uh well you look at a movie right and you look at a movie and there's a scene there and the music really adds to the scene adds to the feeling and you take away the music you know and it's it's certainly not the same so right. it's really, that's what i think about uh you know i, I have what i call my one picture promise and there are a lot of photographers who use, as you guys have heard the term, spray and pray, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Photographers go out there. I call it also OCD, obsessive clicking disorder. <laughs> well, I, ha I have what, what I call my uh, one picture promise, and here it is. And what I say is that if you're in a situation, wherever it is, uh, on the beach, in a forest, in your backyard, whatever, if you're in a situation and you see something you want to photograph, you say to yourself, if I could only take one picture, what would that one picture be? I promise you, and I really do this, I promise you that you get a higher percentage of uh, good pictures, uh, you'll take more creative pictures, you'll have fewer outtakes, and you won't have thousands of pictures to go through. Now, just following up, if you're photographing bald eagles in Alaska that can fly up to 90 miles an hour, you might say, well, how can I do the one-picture promise? Well, you could still say to yourself, okay, I'm going to shoot with the sun at my back. I want a clear sky. I want to get the eye in focus, wings up or wings down. That's a bird photography tip. So I, I would encourage your listeners to, to try uh, the one-picture promise and see if it doesn't work. Rick, I was going to ask you about that because every, every time I've read an article, not every time, but a lot of times I've read an article um, that you've either written or re refers to you or a lot of your your videos, your your how-to videos and, and instructional videos, you do talk about the one picture of promise. So it's it's clearly a, a staple and and principle of of your photography. And and as I as I try to apply it in the field, I I think it helps me thinking that way. It helps me just to slow down and think about what I'm doing because we try to rush, especially when, you know, you're someplace, there's crowds there. Maybe you don't have the time to put into right. it, but it really, it really forces you to sit down and think about what you're doing. So it's, it's almost a mental tripod, you know, physically a tripod using a tripod helps us to slow down, slow down the process and think about it and thinking about that, planning out your shot ahead of time with that one picture promise idea helps you to, to mentally slow down before you even get to to the you know physical act of taking the picture is that is that a fair way to oh, get, I, you know to <laughs> interpret what you're saying? Well, absolutely. The first uh, two words in uh, PhotoQuest, uh, the second book, uh, 
the first two words are slow down. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. actually this is like uh, that should maybe that should have been the title of the book because I think <laughs> we all have to slow down in life. I do you guys play golf? No, thankfully. No. It's, too, it's too fast for me. It's too <laughs> well, fast moving. I can't. Well, here's the thing. Uh, golf. First of all, golf is the only sport where you get, the more lessons you take, the worse you can get. Yeah. No, it's true because there's so many different. There's so many different uh, styles. But here's the thing. I go to take a golf lesson and I do a swing and it's on video and the instructor says, "Look at this." Uh, I said, "What?" She said, "Here's the best advice I'm going to give you." It's like her one picture promise. Her her one golf promise. Golf swing. She said, "Slow down," and guess what? That changed my golf game more than how to do a grip and how to put your knees and bend over and, you know, follow through and all that. That one tip, slow down, and I talk about that in the book, um, really affected the way that I, uh, uh, you know, that I play golf. So it really helped. You know, it's funny you mentioned golf. I I don't golf, Rick, but I I run a lot. And And running has a very, for training, it has a very similar concept. And if you train too fast, you won't be ready for race day. And so there's books and, you know, coaching philosophies to say, hey, when you're just training, slow down and, you know, uh, take it easy. You know, 80% of the time, 20% of the time, run hard, 80% go slow. Uh, And so it's it's very much a um, concept you can use across a number of things in in life. And, And I think that as I study your work and, and hear you, you talk, you always talk about not specializing or your specialty is not specializing. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's clear that you're able to um, bring these, you know, kind of bits of wisdom that you, you've, you know, picked up and, and apply in so many areas of, of your life. And, and I was wondering if, if you would apply um, that to a question around, do we overthink photography? Do we, do we worry too much about what the noise is or is it exactly the right exposure with, without any blinkies or did you get the composition just right? Because when I, when I think about the, the idea of a Neil Leifer, uh, you know, sports um, oh, yeah, picture know or, or, or Harry um, Benson, yeah. um, and, oh, and, 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 you know, you look at the, the volume of work they do and, you know, some of the, the greatest pictures they have aren't technically, what a lot of people look for today, right? There's noise in it and, and there's some blur and stuff, but they're iconic shots, right? So I, I wonder, do we overthink our, our photography today just because the technology allows I, I, us to? I think it's good to think, but most people, they're more interested in getting the cleanest possible picture, reducing the noise as much as possible than thinking about, you know, what the picture what the picture is saying. I don't know if you guys remember a book from the 60s, The Family of Man, Mm, no. uh, this is a, a wonderful book, but you look at these pictures, they're all soft and grainy, and mm-hmm. some, look, some look even out of focus. Um, but there are photog- photographers like Robert Farber and uh, yep. David Hamilton who built a reputation on soft, grainy, out-of-focus pictures. Uh, mm-hmm. I always tell people at my seminars, it gets a laugh. I say uh, to the audience, I say, how many people here have taken an out-of-focus picture? Almost everyone raised their hands. I say, how many people have deleted the out-of-focus picture? Almost everyone raises their hands. So I said, never delete an out-of-focus picture. I said, one out-of-focus picture is a mistake. 20 out-of-focus pictures is a style. And (laughs) it's funny, but, you know, uh, Susan, my wife and I were in the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art. This was about 25 years ago. We're looking at photographs. And on the wall... There was a soft, grainy, dark, uh, jiggly picture. I, I, I'm trying to stall what the subject is. Soft, and it was framed, and it was hanging there. And the title of the picture was Lou Paper. So it was a roll of toilet pa- paper that someone photographed on a wall at a slow shutter speed, jiggling the camera, and it was out of focus. And it's in the Museum, the museum of Art. Okay, so... Uh, it, it's really, you know, content is king. You, you look at some of the, uh, I'm looking for her name, you know, as we speak right now. Uh, let me see. Uh, well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with uh, music, right? Uh, let me just. Here, here it is. 
Nikki, N-I-C-K-I-B-L-U-H-M. Okay, Nikki Bloom. And she has a series of videos uh, where she covers other songs, and it's called The Van Sessions. So if your listeners uh, look up N-I-C-K-I-B-L-U-H-M and the Gramblers, uh, Van Sessions, she has one called, uh, you know the Hole and Oats song, I Can't Go For That? Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sure. this is number 17. I'm looking at it right now. It's she's like about two stops overexposed. The musicians are playing acoustic uh, instruments while they're driving around. They sound tinny, and it has 3.8 million views. Okay, so content is content is king, and this is what we mm-hmm. want to think about content and mood. This is way more important uh, uh, than the technical than, aspects. Well, well, you know the picture that's that helped stopped really helped stop the Vietnam War. Picture of the naked girl uh, with a napalm oh, yeah. was yep, just yeah. dropped on her um, on her village, and she's running, crying towards the soldiers. Th- this, more than any nightly news uh, se- video segment, helps to stop the war, this one single picture. Technically, it's not that great, but, you know, it's. I would encourage your listeners to uh, to look it up. Yeah, it's a classic. Classic photo, uh, journalistic photo. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I th- you know, I th- I think Rick, one of the things Neil and I were talking about uh, a couple of days ago was the the fact that people get so caught up talking about the technical aspects of photography because it's easy to talk about those things instead of the artistic side of photography, which is a little bit harder to quantify and have a have a meaningful conversation around sometimes for folks and. And uh, it's just kind of interesting to see where conversations go in that space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of your one of your other quotes that really stuck out to me uh, is that uh, shadows are the soul of a photograph. Yes, I love well, that. That really resonated with me. Well, they are. You know, with HDR and lights and everything, people try to eliminate you know shadows. But shadows really are the soul of the photograph. Look, watch Citizen Kane. Look, look how the shadows, you know, add to the drama of that picture. You look at Ansel Adams' picture, Half Dome. Half of it is in shadows, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he was a master of, uh, of creating images with shadows that weren't totally blocked up, where you still had some detail in them. But you know, shadows are the soul of the photograph, and. Another expression is uh, light illuminates, shadows define, uh, and shadows add a sense of mystery to the picture, right? You, you take a picture of, uh, of uh, well, look at the the, uh, the pictures of the movie stars from the 1940s. They, they were like sidelit. You had that strong shadows. And just a tip, for a technical tip, <laughs> I find myself laughing that I'm giving a technical tip after all this philosophical stuff. Uh, <laughs> if you want an interesting portrait, don't light the subject's entire face. So in other words, you know, don't blast the subject with light so this, you get, well, of course there's exceptions to that. You know, a lot of cosmetic ads uh, have, you know, soft, flattering, even lighting. And a lot of famous portraits do, but uh, don't light the subject's ent- entire face. My friend Frank Dorhoff has an interesting expression when it comes to portraiture. He said, if you think you need two lights, use one light. If you think you need three lights, use one light. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, right? But but it's true. You could do so much. You could do so much with one light. Yeah, and I think think that point of adding mystery and depth and weight is is why I love shadows as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you were you were recently in Antarctica, is that is that right? Yeah, I was down there shooting with the EOS R. I took it there twice. I was there this year and I was there last year and um I went to Antarctica itself one year, then the other time we went to Antarctica, South Georgia and um and the Falkland Islands, which was amazing. Wow. How oh yeah, there's well, I have another expression. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy having fun. Uh <laughs> To get to Antarctica, so I have to go to the airport, get there two hours early, right? So it's an hour from my house, so that's three hours. The flight to Buenos Aires is 10 hours, a little over 10 hours. 
then you have to go from the international airport to the local airport. And so you have to leave four hours in between that. Then from uh, Buenos Aires to Ushuaia, the southernmost city on the planet where the boat uh, departs, uh, that's four hours. You have to be there two days before because you don't want to miss the boat in case something happens. So then you get on the boat, and then it's two days to Antarctica. And the same on the way back. And it goes over the Drake's Passage. And I've been lucky. Uh, actually, I was not that lucky the last time. We had like uh, we had uh, 40 to 50-foot seas and 70-mile-an-hour winds. But a lot of times uh, it's been straight. But they, it goes over what they call the Drake Lake. It can be the Drake Lake or the Drake Shake. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's yes. not easy having fun. No, that's how did the how did the R EOS R do down there? Well, people say you're going to Antarctica with a with a car with a camera with one card slot. Well, I've never had a problem with that. And uh, people speaking of mirrorless cameras, people think um, uh, most people most pros switch for the size and the weight. That's a factor, but it's the, it's the viewfinder. I mean, to see everything in the viewfinder like that is just amazing. Yeah. You know, your exposure compensation, your white balance, your histogram, your level, everything. Agreed. Rick, one of the one of the ongoing debates that John and I have are between mirrorless and and digital SLRs is is battery life. Did, on the on the Canon EOS R, how how does the battery? Uh, has a battery hold up versus uh, the Canon DSLRs? Well, because I follow my one picture promise, <laughs> I'm not shooting like crazy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. My ba- my batter- I've never had, I've never had a, I never had a problem. I would go out, we'd be out for like two hours at a time. Yeah. And uh, I'd never, I'd never had a problem. I think I rarely, rarely switched uh, batteries, but people might say, well, it's cold in Antarctica, you know, the, and there's a, uh, most people know that cold sucks the life out of batteries. Well, mm-hmm. if your listeners want uh, to see uh, how warm it could be in Antarctica, they could do a, a YouTube search, Rick Salmon in a T-shirt in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. I saw that I mean, video. I mean, this is uh, – I, I, tr- I always try to be a positive person. Like even now as we speak, there's so much going on yeah. in our country and in the world. So. Uh, I, I should have done a video on on global warming because you know we, we get the beautiful ice down there and same thing in Iceland and Greenland but and you get these beautiful icebergs and ice flows and uh, pieces of ice that are just like mother nature sculptures but we wouldn't be seeing this if the ice wasn't melting at an alarming yeah. rate yeah Rick yeah. I, Rick I, uh, I, that kind of jogs a, a thought in my mind is, as you talk about, you know, he's trying to be positive. And, and one of the things I've always heard from you is if you have the choice of being right or being nice, choose nice. Well, and that, go ahead. Sorry. It, well, I, I was going to say, I, I love that because you just, you don't hear that sentiment today very often, right? Every, everything, just such a debate, you know, you can't, you know, cheeseburger or hamburger, you know, and, and people argue about that. And, and when I, whenever I hear you say that, it just reminds me that, yeah, we actually, we, we can be nice to each other. And, and I think you talk a lot about in your photo quest book, the superpowers. And I, I, I would, I would submit that that is one of your superpowers as far as, you know, the context is you, you always find the positive and, and you seem to be very, um, uh, um, open-minded with, with people and patient with people. And I'm sure with the number of people you interact with, including John and me today, <laughs> um, it, you, you find yourself having to exercise that superpower quite a bit. So can, can you talk a little bit about that and how you de- were able to develop that? Because I know you come from an advertising background many years ago, which may not always be the nicest place to work, um, like many uh, kind of professions. But how did you develop that you know, positivity and and the kind of the idea of superpowers. Well, I, well, the positivity I think I got from my wife. I married Susan Sam is the most positive person on the planet. And I first heard if you have the choice to be, uh, kind, you know, if, if you know, right or kind, be kind. I first heard that, but it's actually a Buddhist expression. And I'm not mm-hmm. a Buddhist, but you know, they really believe that uh, the goodness is within us. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's really where that come came from. As far as the advertising business goes, I hated it so much. So, and I talk about this in phototherapy. I had crippling back pain 
I was on my back for six months. and So anyway, I developed a plan to get out, and I got out, and I've been doing this uh, this ever since. But you had another – there was another question in there? Well, d- from the the superpower oh, The superpower, right, right, right. Yeah, t- okay. talk about that whole philosophy because it, it's, it's, it's a philosophy unto itself, I think. And I – to your point, you got out of advertising. I got out of corporate finance because uh, after being in it for 30 years because I needed a change of pace. And But in business, we would talk about a, a competitive advantage. And I think the context of superpowers in your book is what's the competitive advantage of a photographer beyond taking good pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know the same thing. Like getting back to Santana, he's a great guitar player. Uh, but what's his superpower, Right. What is his superpower? And I think it's his, I'm thinking, right? I don't want to speak for him. It's his, he's a very spiritual person, and he wants to connect with people, and he understands what people want. And I think if your listeners say, okay, I'm good at photography, but what's the superpower that makes me good at photography? My friend Alex Morley, uh, uh, I have a whole section in the book, whole chapter, superpowers. What's his superpower? And he says his superpower is uh, uh, he's a perfectionist. Well, he also happens to be an emergency room doctor where we can't make – we had a conversation once where I said, oh, I made a mistake. Uh, you know, I was doing something in, photog- in Photoshop. He said afterwards, he said, Rick, you know, I can't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. So his superpower is he has to be a perfectionist. So we mm-hmm. all have different superpowers, but this actually came up I, – I, this concept came up with the conversation I was having with my son Marco. And I said, you know, people – we were talking about this because he's, he's getting his Ph.D. in finance – and uh, I said, because he's good at a lot of things, I said, you know what I found out in life? That people who are good at a lot of, at something are usually good at a lot of things. And he said, that's because they have a superpower to do this or that. So it's not a, an original idea, having a superpower. But I did ask, uh, I think, uh, several people uh, in, in PhotoQuest uh, to talk about to talk about their superpowers. And I think your uh, listeners would really be interested to find out uh, my, uh, what these pros think their superpowers are. It's actually one of my favorite chapters in the book. Um, what their superpowers are, uh, and these people will, these contributors, what I call the uh, all-star photo mentors, will help them, I think, find their superpowers. Because, again, it's really what does your photography mean to you? If you could find out you know, why you're, why you're good at something. You look at an actor like Anthony Hopkins. I don't know if you saw the message he had on, uh, on, uh, on YouTube the other day. I mean, it's so, is it for the graduating class, you know, that they can't enjoy, you know, graduating with all their friends and everything. Yeah. It was so powerful. So Anthony Hopkins is a great actor. Uh, we, we could go down the list, you know, or, or your listeners could name the best actor. But if you ask them, what's your superpower? Taking and you can't mention acting, right? They they would think you know maybe it's an incredible uh, ability to uh, pretend, <laughs> right? Well, basically there's a, an expression: all actors are liars. Uh, uh, <laughs> maybe it's that. Maybe it's an incredible memory. You know how can an actor, you know, you see him on in a scene where they're something's happening, they're crying, they're they're acting and they're crying, and it's so emotional. Uh, like Anne Hathaway singing in uh, Les Mis, you know, that oh, yeah. song. Yeah. So what is, what's her superpower? So I think the whole concept of super, knowing what your superpower is, well, finding out might make you realize that uh, you could probably do more than you're doing. You know, Wayne Dyer, one of my favorite books uh, is called Real Magic, creating, uh, creating Miracles in Your Everyday Life. Yeah, Real Magic, and the subtitle, Creating Miracles in Your Everyday Life. He talks about how we create our own, re- own reality. Now, if you get the coronavirus, you're not creating your own reality, right. of course. But generally speaking, most people don't realize, you know, that they create their own reality. People say, Rick, you're lucky. You've been to over a hundred, more than 100 countries. Well, I just didn't, you know, go to the airport, <laughs> you know. So you, you create. I set goals and... You know, I think this you is, are what you think, you are what you eat, you are what you visualize. Yep. All of those things go into making our reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our own reality, true. right. Yep. Yep, very true. So, everybody, buy Rick's book, PhotoQuest. <laughs> Learn what your superpower is. That would be the key tip of the day right there. 
So, Rick, well, let, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Let me. Kind they're of bring, on Amazon. They're on. They're on Amazon, by the way. Yes, exclusively, exclusively. Oh, on exclusively. All right. So I will, put, folks. I will put up links, of course, to to Rick's website as well as links to his new book on Amazon on the WeTalkPhoto.com webpage. So check it out there. Um, but search it up at Amazon, and it's an easy download for Kindle or a hard copy, whichever one you want. So, Rick, you kind of touched on these are uh, really interesting times we're we're in right now, and we won't get into a geopolitical discussion here, but but it's really sort of upended the the photography community in the way for folks that used to travel a lot for income. But mm -hmm. you, besides visiting a hundred countries and doing all of this stuff, you are so prolific in other ways. And, and one of the things I wanted to point out to our listeners is you offer these virtual photo workshops. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about what those are. I think there's a really cool idea. Yeah, well, thank you very much, uh, and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, people, um, well, right now they're not traveling, but say people want to go to Iceland on a workshop. If they go to Iceland on a workshop, uh, they might have to pay five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 to go on a workshop with a pro, right? Yep. And basically, it is fun, and I lead workshops, and people, um, you know, people love coming with me, and they love the community, and things like that. But what the workshop is is what I do is, uh, uh, like for Iceland, Iceland specifically, I give, I spend an hour on Skype with the person, I, I evaluate their pictures, I send them my itinerary, the exact hotels, the exact locations, I tell them where in the glacial lagoon uh, to shoot basically what time of day how you can get great shots across the uh, road at what's called the black beach and you know, that's just a couple of examples and then uh afterward when they come back uh just like on a workshop i critique the pictures like when they come back we have a critique session of their pictures so it's like uh you know for 200 bucks they get they get a workshop because they could go there and rent a car and do the same thing by themselves mm-hmm <laughs> I do this for the Oregon coast and a bunch of other places. Speaking of which, uh, because I'm an Oregon native, and Rick, you, oh, and, yeah. I have, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, the beautiful Oregon coast. Rick has a fantastic book on the – it's called The Oregon Coast Photo Road Trip. So for those of you that don't want to take a workshop but want to come out and explore the Oregon coast, check out his book. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really like uh, it. We yeah. – uh, Actually, my wife uh, wrote fifty percent of it, and fifty percent of the pictures are uh, are hers too. All right, Susan, yay! Yeah, well, it's it's Go a ahead, series, man. right? You've got the. Well, I was going to say it's uh, for the readers out there who can't make it to the Oregon coast, but can make it up to the Route sixty six. Oh, uh, that was same, that was same yeah, road that, trip through, right? That was a ton of fun. Uh, Route sixty six. That's like going back in time, right? Yeah, yeah. And, but you know what? About that, you know, we took nice pictures and stuff like that, but we were really trying to capture the mood and the feeling of Route 66, which uh, was basically destroyed when uh, uh, the interstate went through. Mm -hmm. Interstate yep. 40 went through. People stopped going on Route 66, so all these hotels and gas stations and buildings and stores are abandoned or run down. Uh, it's, it's really cool. It is so, Rick. You've been a you've been a Canon explorer of light. I think since early two thousands. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, two thousand and three. Yeah, wow. One of the older ones. Yeah, you are. You've uh, you've really hung in there with them. That's awesome to hear. Um, does that? Uh, what's it like being an explorer of light for you? Well, it's it's an honor, and people ask me uh, all the time. You know, how do you become a Canon explorer of light? <laughs> Well, at that time, I, I said, write 28 books. Yeah, put in your time. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, you know, they came to me because I'm using the gear. that At that time, we had magazines. I'm writing magazine articles, and I'm speaking and stuff like that. So it's really an honor to be a, a Canon Explorer of Light. And I would suggest to your listeners to go on the Canon Explorers of Light website because they have some of the best photographers uh, out there uh, sharing and teaching and uh, you get inspired by their work. Some of my favorite photographers, uh, even if I weren't a Canon Explorer of Light, I'd say these guys and these uh, these women are my favorite. Yeah, there's a. I was just out there the other day. There's an automotive photographer. I just lost his name. Who's an Explorer of Light? Um, beautiful, beautiful imagery that he produces. Uh, and I was just talking to your friend yesterday, uh, Daryl Galeen. 
I love Daryl. Daryl yeah. is one of my long, long – I think he's been a – well, he came after me uh, uh, into the club, so to speak. But he is a ta- – his butterfly pictures are some of the best. Oh, my gosh. Cowboy pictures. Uh, he's, uh, he's one of my heroes. So if you, yeah. if you talk to him again, tell him. I will. I will. Hopefully we're going to head out shooting on the Oregon coast here pretty soon. But, yeah, he uh, he's one of the nicest, nicest yeah. people you'll ever meet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Daryl's a Daryl's a charm. So, Rick, um, one other quote I have from you that I absolutely love that we've kind of danced around a little bit in some of this stuff. Um, the, you said, and you said it doesn't matter what settings you use; it's how you use the settings to create your own creative vision. Right. Which so, I so think enough- that that's in a nutshell. That's what I think everybody needs to remember. Yeah, yeah. People ask me all the time, "Hey, Rick, what's your ref stop?" Meaning, you know, <laughs> what, what are your settings? And it's funny that was actually going to be a title of one of my books, and I still could do it. But I would always answer, "What's your creative vision?" Because you know, uh, you're shooting with the wider. Well, I don't even want to go into the settings, but the settings that you know, you choose different settings for to create your mood, to blur the background, to get the background in focus, to blur the a waterfall and not blur the waterfall, or the action of the sports person or a butterfly or whatever. So it's it's really that that's the whole thing. Yeah, it is. It and it for for those people that have hung around Jack for a while, Jack always retells a, a John Shaw story where a client comes up and asks John. You know, what lens should I use? And John says, well, it depends. Well, I have a T-shirt that says it depends. Yeah, it just depends on what you're trying to do. And so there is no right answer for the right settings. It's you and your vision. That's what my T-shirt says. Hey, I know we're getting close to the end here, but uh, can I share an Ansel Adams story with you? Please do, yes. Okay, so I'm teaching a seminar several years ago with John Sexton out in California, and John Sexton was an amazing photographer, amazing printer, amazing person. I can't go on and say enough nice things about John Sexton. Anyway, uh, he's telling Ansel Adams stories, and uh, he showed actually a a TV commercial, which you can't even find on YouTube, of Ansel Adams in a Toyota commercial. No. Uh, Yeah, he's walking through the forest, and he comes upon a Toyota and says, if you buy a Toyota, Toyota will make a donation to the national parks, which was a great thing. But here's the Ansel Adams story. Before computers, someone writes on the East Coast, writes someone, uh, writes Ansel Adams on the West Coast in Carmel, California, uh, a letter, and he's a little unhappy with Ansel Adams. So can you imagine anyone being unhappy with Ansel Adams? Yeah. So he writes to Ansel Adams, Dear Mr. Adams, I have your books, uh, the print and the negative, which I have, and I still recommend even in the digital age. Mm -hmm. I have your books. I have one of your posters. You inspired me to go to Yosemite, and when I got there, it didn't look like that. <laughs> it's funny, right? And it doesn't look like that. It doesn't. So this goes. So this goes. So if you know, if Ansel Adams took people there and say, "Okay, you use this setting and this to put your camera on a tripod," you know, people are not going to get the same type of pictures. My wife actually saw one of his pictures, and uh, and uh, she couldn't believe it. One of his prints. Uh, mm-hmm. going to believe it. So I think that's a, a good thing that we create our own reality in our pictures too. You know, so, someone I was given a seminar once uh, the, after it, the president wrote uh, a friend of mine in the uh, in in the club an email that he shared with me saying that Rick Salmon is just totally into man- manipulating pictures and doing all this stuff and he's going to destroy the purest feel of our uh, club. So I wrote a, a guest blog post, and your readers can find it. Uh, uh, Rick Salmon, I think it's, they could do a term, Rick Salmon's Guide to Being a Purist, or something like that. Anyway, I said, if you're a purist, don't use a telephoto lens to blur the background. That's not reality. Don't use a fisheye lens. Certainly don't make a black and white picture because you don't see the world like that. Don't use a flash. Don't use a tripod. You know. So I went through this whole thing. So... I, it's really about what you want to say. You know, if Picasso listened to people, he wouldn't come up. He wouldn't have come up with those beautiful cubism paintings, mm-hmm. right? And and for a lot of people, that's how they enjoy the process of photography. Yeah, is experimenting and, and you know panning with the panning with the long lens or something like that. So so yeah, right, uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Explore and, and, and have fun. 
Exactly. And without getting too deep, I mean, there is no one reality. Reality is each person's interpretation of the surroundings. So, you know, that's right. Who's to say that your interpretation is wrong? That's right. That's right. And, you know, it comes down to liking pictures. You know, I don't particularly like rap music, but it's super popular. Uh, Most people don't know that country music is the most popular type of music in the world. Yeah. Uh, and that's a fact. So I like some country music, but I like jazz the most. So what mm-hmm. I'm saying is we all have these different uh, these different uh, likes and dislikes. So uh, I think it's important to remember that. Can, can I, I know we're running out. Can I leave you with one more quote? Oh, of course, Rick. And it relates to you guys. So when you're photographing a person, uh, my number one tip is that uh, the camera looks both ways. Mm-hmm. And this is not about, you know, I wouldn't say use this lens. So this is my tip. The camera looks both ways. In picturing the subject, you're also picturing a part of yourself. Meaning, the mood, the feeling, the emotion, the body language, the energy that you're projecting, that's going to be reflected in your subject's face and their body language. An easier way to say that is that we're a mirror. So you would agree with that, right? Yes, for sure. Okay, so the reason that I'm say, I save this to the end is the, the microphone, you know, I guess communicates both ways because you guys did such a great job in making me feel at ease and you were so prepared and you had great <laughs> questions. So thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. It was, Rick, a well, ton thank of, you. It, was, it was a ton of fun. Good. Thank you, Rick. And, and John, thank you for having me be able to guest this one. I, Rick's one of my favorite photographers and it's an honor for me to be able to participate in this one. So you thank you bet. both very much. You bet, well, Rick. It's, it's been an absolute honor and I'll, I will tell Daryl hi from you next time I oh, talk good. to him. And uh, again, folks, I'll post all of Rick's great information up on wetalkphoto.com, but please check out his website, ricksammon.com, S-A-M-M-O-N. Right. Um, He's got a ton of resources for learning photography, music, life, books, blogs. He's got everything you ever want up there. So please, please, please pay him a visit and you won't regret it. So, Rick, again, thank you so very much for making time. And, um, folks... Stay tuned for more episodes, and we'll talk to you again soon. Stay safe. 